0: Hey guys, good morning, good morning, welcome. Welcome to Garden City. I don't know if you guys just saw this, that's my wife Megan right there. When I came up, Megan got in my way and she said, Brian, give everybody more than 10 seconds to say hi to each other. And then she proceeded to like block me. Did you guys catch that, anybody? I got through. So hey, thanks for being friendly and greeting and saying hi to the folks around you. Hey, just a reminder, uh, Porsche Rocker's coming up on August 19th neighborhood party come join us hang out we've got sign-ups in the back if you'd like to officially join in to the kind of the spot where we're gonna be hanging out so we've talked a lot about that so sign up in the back would love to have you join us for porch rocker so we're gonna continue I, t- I told you guys in January that we're gonna be in and out of Hebrews chapter 11 in and out in and out we're back in this week and next week and then we'll be out again so if you want to join we'll be in Hebrews chapter 11 Megan read it and we'll be starting in verse 13 but before we dig in um, I want to kind of set the stage and I want to tell you, I, I probably somewhat because of what we've been in in Hebrews 11, I want to tell you kind of like the season that I feel like the Lord has me in personally, right? And the season is like, I'm really curious and I'm, I'm regularly asking the question, God, what is it that you are doing? What is it that you want to do? And it really, it's a very simple question, but here's here's kind of the idea behind it. So like we've all gathered together and there's a bunch of us here in the room. And every single person, like all of us when we walked in this morning, there's things that each of us wanted to see happen. Some of the things that some of us want to see happen are like, we want to see really, really good things happen. Some of the things that some of us want to see happen maybe today are like, they're pretty good. For some, some of the things we want to see happen are like, okay. And if we're honest, some of the things that we'd like to see are maybe not that great, right? But everyone in this place, all of us have certain things that we would like to see happen. But I think I'm in this season where, like, I'm recognizing that, like, um, Jesus says he will never leave us and never forsake us. He says that his sheep hear his voice. And here's the thing that I'm, like, making this connection to that he who is here also has things he wants to do. And the only way that I would be able to tap into that or hear that or sense that is to actually receive that from him. And so it's probably good for me to regularly start asking the question, God, what is it that you would like to do here? And here is like where, wherever I am, wherever you are, wherever we are. So now that you've kind of got like the season that I'm in, I'm going to tell you a story that may make more sense. It's this past Friday evening, two days ago, and Megan's out with some friends. It's just me and the kids at home. I hop out of the shower at 8.15, I get my clothes on, I'm ready to go. Sorry if that was too much information, but that's where my brain went, right? So I'm ready to go. It's 8.15, it's evening time, and here's what I'm thinking. Here's, here's what I want to see happen. Um, I want to go downstairs and find some mediocre movie to watch with the kids and then go to bed. Not, not a, not a great thing that I've got planned, but it's like, it's kind of where I'm at. I'm tired. It's the end of the day. I'm ready for like an okay movie, bedtime, high five, sleep. That's what I've got on the horizon. But I'm asking the question now, God, what is it that you're wanting to do tonight? Cause sometimes God's got better plans than I do. And so I just asked the question and I said, God, is there, is there anything that you would like to do tonight? meaning like here with me with my family you got any ideas that i need to hear and you know what popped into my brain you ready for this s'mores i don't know it just came okay didn't force it now here's the thing i was immediately a little bit aggravated here's why because last remember i came in here last sunday and i told you that our family had been camping for three days and i had been like i'm a mosquito magnet if there's a mosquito in a half mile radius they're going to find me and I, I had gotten my fill of mosquito bites last weekend. So I know that s'mores involves campfires, which involves outside. It was a muggy evening, and that involves mosquitoes. I didn't, I didn't want that. So I heard s'mores. I put all the pieces together and thought, ugh, that's not... Mm, that's what you want to see happen tonight. I'm not necessarily into that. But now i got a decision to make. He's saying s'mores. I'm saying mediocre movie. What do I do? Well... We're in a series on faith. I'm in a season of God, what do you want to do? And I'm just going to hear it and trust you. So, s'mores it is. Here we go. I go downstairs, I give the kids some instructions on cleaning the kitchen. Hey boys, when that's done, go make a fire. I go to the store to get s'more stuff. I come back. It's like 8:40, right? It's already pretty late, but that's okay cuz God said s'mores. So, I'm just rolling with it. And then, right, and then we just we start into the s'more time. Fire's going, we're roasting marshmallows. Um, eating a whole bunch of bad food that's rotting out my kid's teeth, but that's God's idea, so that's on him, okay? Then Megan comes back from her time with her friends, and it's just like, it's our whole family around the campfire. And, and I just hear, I didn't do anything to make it awesome, but it was awesome. You ever, like parents, you know, like sometimes your family's like in a place and you, you know something needs to happen, but you, and you kind of maybe know like what, but you don't know how to make that happen. You don't know how to make that connection. You don't know how to like allow the spirit to stoke the fires of trusting him and seeing him as a family. Like you don't know what to do. You just know something needs done in your family. Well, I tell you, Friday night it happened, and it happened around s'mores. It was a fruitful like, meaty, good, connecting family time where the Lord met us and like our one daughter was sharing stories about what is happening in her heart as she's at camp this summer. And like God ministered to our family around the campfire as we were eating s'mores, right? It was a fruitful evening. My, I had plans that evening and it was the mediocre movie, bedtime, get sleep. We were up to 11.30 around the fire, and it was rich, and it was good. And I got lit up by some mosquitoes, right? But that's okay, because it was so good, right? Hebrews 11, our call is to trust Him, not to understand all the things that we want to understand. Very big difference. Right? For me, right? Truthfully, here's what I would have loved to have seen happen, right? I've got a picture for how the evening is gonna go on Friday with movie night off to bed. I can kinda see all that and I know it's gonna be mediocre. It's gonna be okay for our family. Not great, not terrible, but eh. Then I want God to say more than just s'mores. That's what He said. I want more than that. I want Him to show me what the evening looks like. All the way from beginning to end. So that then seeing all of the things, seeing the movie path in bedtime and then seeing the s'more path in bedtime, understanding all of it, now I can make a reasoned decision for me and my family regarding what I want to choose. That's what I want. I want to understand all the things. But that's not what God offers us. Do you know what God offers us? S'mores. Period. That's it s'mores. Like a little more. I want to see where this is going. I want to see how this turns out cuz I'm going to get lit up by mosquitoes. I want to make sure it's going to be worth it. No, Brian. You don't get it? I'm not I can't show you all that right now. Here's what I'm going to give you. S'mores. Period. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. We already read it once. I'm going to break it apart piece by piece and there's some things here that like we just need to chew on. Hebrews 11:13 starting in says this. These all the these all is all of the people that the writer is referring to in Hebrews chapter 11 which is the chapter on faith. He's going back into the Old Testament and he's finding these saints of God who trusted him and he's drawing out what faith looks like for all of us who didn't live through those stories but he's reminding us here's what it looks like through these people to trust God by faith not understanding all the things but just hearing s'mores or hearing go through the Red Sea or hearing hey there's going to be bread that's on the ground in the morning just trust me I like more information no Man, is coming. Like these people of the Old Testament that just trusted him with this rock-solid faith. These all, these people, what, what about them? These all, they died in faith. That's pretty exciting, huh? Every single person in Hebrews chapter 11, they died. And they had faith brimming out of their hearts, even at the moment of their death. See, here's the cool thing. Here's God's Father's heart for us. On that day, in the future, whenever that is, for some maybe tomorrow, for some 80 years from now, depending, on that day, the Father's heart for us is that we would have a faith that is so deep and so wide and so overflowing that even in the circumstances of our death, we are deeply abiding in Him and trusting Him. That's awesome. He also wants us to trust Him like right now. Now. Present tense. And He wants us to trust Him with everything between now and the day that we die. He wants us to be people of faith. Right? Theologians um, refer to this as the perseverance of the saints. Meaning that one of like the fruits or the litmus tests for who is in Jesus, is that like, their faith will persevere from now all the way until the end. Now, if you're anything like me, like, I, our, our journeys are not that simple. Okay? But the Father's heart for us is that we would be able to abide in Him and trust Him from now all the way through, that our faith would persevere. What that means is that faith has a staying power to it. It's strong, and it grips, and it does not fluctuate like a feelings roller coaster. Up and down, and twisting and turning, and all around, right? Sometimes we know that our feelings can betray us and mislead us. That's not what faith is. Faith is not based on the up and the down, and all the twists and turns, and how I'm understanding and making sense of things, and how I'm feeling. Faith perseveres from today all the way through all the way until the day that we die. That's the father's heart for us regarding trusting him. Now, that's awesome. How do we do that? How do we start to step into this kind of a faith? Well, good question. The very next phrase is going to be a key that I think unlocks the path forward for us to have a persevering faith. Verse 13, these all died in faith. Here's the key not having received the things key in on the word things not having received the things promised so what the writer is saying that all of these iconic saints of Hebrews chapter 11 they all died in faith but they didn't receive all of the circumstantial things that they longed for and wanted but it doesn't matter it didn't Sidetrack their trust and their faith in Him. Right. So for the Hebrews 11 faithful, their faith did not depend on happenings or circumstances. Their faith was in a person. Okay, there's a huge distinction between putting our faith in circumstances and putting our faith in a person. I'm just going to say this: our faith is supposed to be centered on who God is, not what God. Does. Okay, I'm going to say that again. I'm just going to be I'm like a hammer that's hitting a nail here. Our faith is to be centered on who, not what. Allow me to hit the hammer, hit the nail one more time here, right? Our faith that God has called us into is to be centered on who he is and not what he does. You guys remember the story out of the book of Daniel? Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? If you were raised in the church, you probably heard that story 50 times because it's a great story, and it still is. Right In the context of Daniel, there's these three men, there is uh, Hebrew exiles living in a foreign land, and the foreign powers devise this weird plot that they are going to build an idol, this gaudy monstrosity of a deity, and they want everybody in their empire to bow down and to worship. Okay. And, uh, and there's this scene in Daniel chapter 3 where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say like, we're, we're, we're not going to bow down to this false god. We just can't do it. And the, and the king and all the dignitaries and the nobles and the people of who's who, they all get mad um, because any breach in obedience to the empire is a threat to the empire. And they're just like furious that anybody would say no to them. And then they start threatening them, saying, hey, if if you don't bow down to this idol, then here's what we're going to do to you. We're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. That doesn't sound fun, okay? Now, regarding this, right, this invitation to idol worship, here's what um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego heard God say. They heard God say, s'mores. Just kidding. They didn't hear him say s'mores. What they had already heard God say is, thou shalt not. Worship any graven images or idols other than me. They already knew that. They heard that. They were Hebrews that were schooled in God's word. And they knew that, hey, if an idol goes up and everybody else bows down, everybody else bows down, you don't. Because that's not what we do. Right? And so they, in faith, trusting in him, they say, no, king, we will not bow down. Down, But I love the language that they use. Listen to this. You don't have to turn there, but Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Right? This is three young Hebrew men defying the great king on planet earth. Here it is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king. The king says, bow down to the idol or you're going in the furnace. Here's their answer. This is awesome. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need... To answer you in this matter. How's the king feeling now? Feeling any better? I don't think so. Verse 17. If this be so, right? If we don't bow down to the idol, and you're going to throw us into the furnace. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But this is the part that I really love. Verse 18. But if not, if he does not deliver us from the fiery furnace, if we go in there and we melt, even if, they say this, then let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And they drew a pretty firm line in the sand By faith. By faith in who, not what. Whether we live or die, that's a certain set of circumstances that are going a very different path. Regardless of those circumstances, we're not trusting that we're going to come out of this okay. But we are trusting in our God who is a who. And regardless of what happens, our faith in Him is not going to be shaken. Wow. If our faith is dependent upon the circumstances that we want, the what we want and the when we want and the how we want it, we will not persevere in faith to our dying day. We won't. It won't sustain, it won't last. It won't, like this, faith won't abide. Because our call isn't to trust in the what's and the understanding of all the things before we step in. Our call is to trust in a who. And here's who that who is. That who is the solid rock on which we stand. We just sang about that. Regardless of the fiery furnace or the circumstances, he still is the solid rock. That doesn't change Circumstances change, the rock doesn't. That's good news. Who is he? He is the living water. He is the one that fills us with refreshment and life. Even stepping into the fiery furnace, he is still the living water that satisfies. Still, even then. Who is he? He is the bread of life. He is the one who sustains us and gives us all of the things that we need. Whether we go into the furnace and we make it or whether we go into the furnace and we don't. He doesn't change. He's there. That's really good news. Who is he? He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Well, I know my circumstances. I got some pretty nasty stuff in my past. Yeah, even those circumstances, he still is the Lamb of God over those things. We trust in who, not what. We don't trust in an okay life, We trust in the Lamb of God who covers our sin. It's a big difference regarding what we're trusting in. Who is He? He is the vine. He is the vine that sustains us and fuels us and fills us with life and good things. That's who He is. Even when we're getting thrown into the fiery furnace. Not good circumstances. If getting th- if if you and I, at some point later today, I hope this doesn't happen to any of us, but if we find ourselves getting thrown into the fiery furnace, and if our faith is dependent upon our circumstances going well, our faith will crumble, and it will be revealed for what it really is, not faith. But if we're thrown into the fiery furnace at some point today, And we are centered on him. That's a who. Jesus. Then we will go into the fiery furnace with faith in our hearts. And then maybe we would be like the Hebrews 11 who all died in faith in those circumstances. But trusting him whether we live or whether we die. Trusting him. Continue. These all died in faith. Not... not not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. We are strangers on planet earth, simply because we are the people who are centered on who? Who? not a what because we are centered on jesus and not circumstances that reveals to the world over time that we are strange think about it this way there's no one else in nebuchadnezzar's empire who is refusing to bow down to the gaudy monstrosity of an idol Everybody else is saying, oh, we worship the idol. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, you're great. Oh, we worship. Everyone in the empire is bowing down. Save Daniel. We're not sure exactly where he is, but he's not bowing down. But right now it's just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But everybody else is bowing down. No one else is risking the circumstances of the fiery furnace. Save three. And all of the masses, look at the three who stand and refuse to go down. And they all say, y'all are strange. You must not belong here. You must be an alien in a foreign land. Because we're smart enough to know if you bow, you don't go in. But you strangers and aliens, you don't seem to have common sense to do what everybody knows should be done. Right, In the, They're standing, and they are the strange ones. And it is as clear as day. The masses will never risk the what for the who. They'll never risk the fire for the sake of following and trusting God. For them, there is nothing sillier than what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are currently doing doing until and this is where the story the story's already been really good but this is where it just starts to ramp up and get gets real nutty in a good way Nebuchadnezzar has the furnace heated up seven times hotter because he is seven times angrier because these guys aren't bowing down. He, he doesn't look like a great king when not everybody does what he wants them to do. And then he just he has his soldiers throw him in, throw them in. Nebuchadnezzar thinks like, my anger is going to be satisfied. I've put all things right in my empire. Everybody's right. We're all good now. Except the only thing was that they, um, the, the three young men didn't get burned up. They're, they're hanging out in the fire. Go check it out in Daniel 3. They're just just kicking it in the seven times hotter fiery furnace. But but the text says they're not kicking it on their their lonesomes. There's actually another one in there with them. There's a fourth. They went in as three, but there's some strange math that's going on. And now there's an extra one in there. And all of the people who were at least present in this place, which are probably all the very important people, they all see it. They all witness it. They're all there for it. And they say, whoa. They were bowing down to this gaudy, nasty idol. You don't even know what it looked like, but it's weird. Now their attention is drawn from the idol to the fiery furnace. And more particularly to the three that aren't getting burned up. And the fourth, who's he? What's he doing in there? How'd he get in there? What's going on? Right? There, whoa has been redirected from the idol to the fourth and to the three who were in the furnace, right? This is quite a change of attention in the Babylonian empire. Nobody's looking at the idol anymore. Catch this. The only way that the world will see Jesus is when Jesus' people first see him. And stop looking at their circumstances. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if they would have said, hey, circumstances, guys, we're logical, we're rational, we're smart. We, we can still honor God. We can like bow down to the idol, but we're crossing our fingers. It's not legit, whatever. But we'll go on with our lives, living and not going in there, right? If they were circumstantially focused, they would find a way out of the fiery furnace. If they were circumstantially focused... No one would see a demonstration of God and who He is and what He can do. The only way the Babylonians will see God is if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego first see Him and then abide in faith with Him in their very difficult circumstances and trust Him in their circumstances. Now the stage is set for us to move from idol worship to whoa. Who's the fourth in a different kind of worship service breaks out right then and there? Why? Right? Because of their trust in Him. The only way the world will see Jesus is when his His people first see Him. We're His purple from here on out. That's where we're going, okay? The only way we see Jesus in our circumstances... Same thing is when we see him, not our circumstances. God says to me, s'mores. If I look at my circumstances and I start thinking mosquitoes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wiggle. I'm, my, I don't want the circumstances of mosquitoes. Therefore, we're not doing s'mores. Kids, let's go. We're going to watch a movie. I, I personally have missed out on the privilege of seeing God move around that campfire. But no, right? I know mosquitoes are coming. I don't like those circumstances. God says s'mores. We're going to do it. I'm going to trust him. I'm not looking at my circumstances in mosquitoes and fiery furnaces. They're in different categories, but go with me here. Okay. If I'm not, I, I don't care about the circumstance of the mosquitoes. All I know is God said s'mores. I'm going to trust him with that. That is the only way that I saw God move on Friday evening. And I'm so glad that he allowed me to trust him with that. And that he was so gracious to say, Brian, I got a plan tonight. It involves s'mores. You can, let's do it. And we did. And it was so good. Like my whole family, like we tasted Jesus as we talked. And we, we prayed. It, I, I couldn't have designed it. It had to be around s'mores. I needed to get that from him. And it was good. I wasn't trusting in the s'mores, but I'm trusting in the one who said it. Trusting in him. Verse fourteen. For people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. We all know this, I'm going to remind us. There's a huge difference between your home and where you are from. Your home and where you are from are two different things all together. Where you're from is a particular geography. It's a what. Where are you from? What? Uh, I'm from Kaiga Falls, Stowe, Akron. That's, that's my geography. That's a straight up what. That's where I'm from. Where's your home? Well, your, your home isn't related to geography. Your home is related to people. My home is Megan and Evie and Nora And Will and Levi and Clay, wherever they are, I don't care if it's Seattle or Calcutta or South Africa, wherever they are. When you say Brian, where's home for you? That's where it is. Home is dependent upon people. These Hebrews 11 people are seeking a homeland. They're not seeking a geography. They're they're looking for people. Who's their people? Here's who their people are. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's their people. That's home. And the communion of saints. All who have been adopted into the family of God. For these Hebrews 11 people, that is their home. It's not a geography. It's people. Big difference. Right? Right? In in these Hebrews 11 folks, and we who live by faith, we likewise long for home. It's not a where, it's a who. And so that's why we we pray. Thy kingdom come. Matthew 6. God, your kingdom come here. We're longing for that. Why? Because we're longing for home. What's home? Him. He's home. Where is he? Well, he's in the heavens right now. He's with us, but he's also on the throne. We're praying that he would come here because we're longing for him and he is home. Home is a who? It's not a where. So thy kingdom come, right? And and we stand like with the saints at at the end of Revelation. They say Maranatha, which means come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Why? Because we're longing for home. Home's not aware to who? Jesus, we want you to come here. We are longing for you because you are our home. We are here. Please come here. Bring yourself here. Reign here. Make your presence and your kingdom full on here because that's home. The by-faith people are home-centered and home is him. Verse 15, if, right, they're seeking a homeland. Verse 15, if they had been thinking of that land, that geography, that what, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. Another Old Testament story. You guys remember the story of Lot and his wife in Genesis? Remember what God says, like, he's going to destroy Sodom, um, so- Sodom is in need of a, a wipeout. It's just where it is. But, but he says to, so- to Lot and his wife, he says, "Like you guys, you guys leave. You leave the where you are from. You might be f- like Sodom might be where your house is, but, but I'm going to call you to leave there. And as you leave Sodom, the invitation is not to look back. Don't look back on on where you've been." Right? Don't look back on the where or the what of the city, but the invitation is to look forward to to the who of God Himself, who is going to be with them and close to them wherever He's going to take them. Stop looking back at the what. Don't be rooted in the what of Sodom, but be rooted in the who of who God is, who I am, as I'm leading you into a new place. So leave Sodom and don't look back. Very clear instructions. S'mores, super easy. Don't, don't be rooted back. Don't look back. And as Lot and his wife are moving from Sodom, the what, to God and wherever he's going to take them, here's what Lot's wife does, right? They're grooving, they're moving forward, and then she thinks like, oh, Sodom! What? God's here, Circumstances back here! She drew, like, her gaze literally goes back. And here's what happens to her. Read it in the text. Lot's wife becomes a memorial pillar of salt. Testifying and declaring to what happens when we try to live in circumstances that we prefer rather than trusting God, pursuing Him where He is. And she's just like shining out for the whole world to see. You want to know what it looks like to be a person that's driven by your preferential circumstances as opposed to God and who he is and where he's leading? You want to know what it looks like? Well, it looks like an unmoving kind of a life. It looks like a cold and lifeless version of humanity. It looks like a pointing back as opposed to we're going somewhere She stands as a testimony of that kind of life. A representative statue of life that is not rooted in trusting Him. But I like the what's. Verse 16. But as it is, they, Hebrews 11 faithful, they desire a country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Here's just the funny thing about God's economy and how good he is. When we seek who? Jesus. He promises us all of the what's we could ever hope for all the circumstances, all the beautiful things. When we put our trust in the who, he says, it is my joy to give you all of the what. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Just trust me. Sodom is not your place, Lot's wife. I got something better for you, right? He longs to give us good Things I love the language here, right? He, um, he's, he's creating for us a country, like he's he's building for us a country. He says he's he's making a city for us where he's going to reign. That's going to be filled with all of the circumstances that our hearts long for, circumstances of goodness and joy and life that we don't have the imagination right now to quite even get close to. He longs to give us incredible circumstances, but those only come as we are focused and trusting in Him. Band, come on back up. We're going to sing... couple more songs, and it's the first of the month. And uh, the first of the month, what we do is we, uh, we love to take communion. Um, just, just a reminder, if you are here and you have not, like, received the gracious and kind gift of Jesus, His broken body, His shed blood to cover our sin, if, if you have not received that gift, this is an opportunity for you to just watch and observe um, this is designated in the New Testament for those that have received the gift. Um, and we're so glad that you're here. Don't feel weird for not taking it. Um, we want to be patient with you on the journey like right, towards Jesus. And Whenever you're ready, we're ready to talk. Um, but for, for, as as we're taking communion and celebrating, um, I want us to think about this. right? God who just, like his heart is that we would trust him take him at his word stop living our lives straight in circumstantial things and what we want and what we don't want it's just it's it's a pillar of salt kind of humanity but he calls us to trust in him and who is him well he is the one who has already demonstrated that he is sufficiently for us like when his arms stretched out scriptures say his body was broken and his blood was spilled because he's for us right Um, we can trust him he's already demonstrated that he is worthy of our trust and so as we take like what symbolizes the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus and we're thankful and we celebrate his covering for sin that only he could provide Covering all of our circumstances with His who. Um, also, be reminded that He's got more for us in getting there into those circumstances, into those things. The fourth in the furnace, whatever the thing is, the s'mores around the fire, the family breakout of worship like all of these good things only come on the other side of trusting in Him, that He's worthy of trust. Um, so, yeah, guys, come on down. We're going to pass out the elements. I think we got um, maybe enough to pass out the elements. Do you guys need somebody to help pass out? You need somebody? Yeah, thanks, Michael. Maybe one more. Hey, Larry, could you could you help Tim? Thanks. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. And At any point in the next two songs, just, yeah, celebrate uh, the who of communion, the great lover of our souls who leads us into cool things. Father in heaven, Uh, as we your people uh, celebrate you there is no greater demonstration of who you are for us than the broken body and shed blood of Jesus where you just laid everything out all you poured everything out for us and we didn't deserve it we never have we never will but your love compelled you to give everything to wash us clean so that we could be back in a love relationship with you where we can just follow you by faith help us to be those people fill us and fuel us with faith as we gaze at jesus even now to your great glory to our joy in your presence god we ask you to move even in these moments Refresh us anew. Speak your words of life and affection over us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and now we sing. Amen.